Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Season's over, man. It's all over. What are you drinking? Right now, currently, I'm drinking a cider. Uh, during the season finale, I was drinking soda. I, I actually didn't drink that day. I didn't drink on Sunday at all. Um, what are you enjoying this lovely Halloween? A wee little glass of bourbon. Not a ton, just enough to get warm. And then cold there? During the... No, actually, it's quite unseasonably warm here. It's very humid and muggy, so it's gross. That's disgusting. And during the final, I was drinking a ton of water and caffeine. North, Because uh, you, you were there. Around Cary, they seem to be a real Pepsi and Pepsi products kind of town. It's not a Coke town. There was a lot of Mountain Dew, and I drank some of it. <laughs> and I remember code, code red or classic classic I remembered how much I love Mountain Dew <laughs> oh that shit is so good it's like shoot that right into your veins I know I as a kid I used to get Taco Bell the little Mexican pizza which is nothing of the sort and uh, a, a big ass Mountain Dew and of course when you're 12 that's probably okay, but I'm not 12 anymore, so I had like half a can to try and get the caffeine in me, and then I switched to Diet Mountain Dew, which is bad. Not not nearly the same taste, not nearly the same experience. So Mexican pizza, you're right, not not really a real thing, but Mexican pizza at Taco Bell did teach me how to make Mex- my own Mexican pizzas in college. It's really just quesadilla. That I cut up like pizza slices. I mean, I do like the idea of two laid flat crunchy shells. And in between them, you've got a layer of like beans and cheese. And then on top, you can put more stuff. It's not a terrible idea. It just feels like borderline offensive that they're calling that a Mexican pizza. Um, I'm I'm Mexican and I'm not offended, but I'm not going to speak for all Mexicans. Well, it's kind of like, you know how on 30 Rock... Where um, Liz Lemon keeps, Jack Donaghy says Puerto Rican to her, and she's like, oh, that does not feel right when you say that. Like, I know it's just a term, but it doesn't feel right. Like, that, it just sounds wrong, you know? So maybe it's like, it depends on who's saying it. It's like, I feel, I say it and I'm like, oh, I don't, that doesn't feel right. But. Yeah, it just leaves a weird taste. It like rolls off your tongue weird. God, I want Taco Bell so badly. Well, I'm sorry, friend. You've had all the pho in the world today, so you're probably not going to get Taco Bell. That's true. Large duck bit. Oh, it was really good. You know who else is probably breaking all their diets now? It's all the players because <laughs> the season's over. and they You can and your transitions. Load up on carbs and sugar. I mean, they all probably ate carbs anyway, but, you know, they're eating, like, refined sugar now pancakes well and i can imagine they're probably not running sprints they're not waking up first thing in the morning and having a shake or a gallon of water or whatever crap they actually had to do when they were elite athletes like this is their first time off in like there isn't another national team oh there is There's <laughs> another national team game because you fucking won the bet Oh, when they would announce the first half of... Didn't we say November, though? Or Yes, or... we did, but I still am giving it to you. I had Aww. November 14th. I had after November 14th. Yeah. I should have freaking had the week after the NWSL final. <laughs> they were just waiting for Vlatko to stop being distracted, and then he could come and present like his fucking 17 mini presentation whatever. Meg Linehan called him the Leslie Nope. <laughs> <laughs> women's soccer where he literally has binders and spreadsheets uh hopefully he's not stress eating waffles in order to cope with all of this i mean i 
give him six months and he will be. <laughs> Sleeping four hours a night, stress-eating waffles. You know he's particular about his office supplies. Oh, God. Color-coded. I bet it's all like, color-coded. Like, you know he's particular just about his, like, trainings. You know he's particular about index cards and pens. You're right. It has to be. He, I bet you he's the type that has a different color pen for the type of note or type of thought it is. Yeah, like for defensive notes, it's red. And for offensive notes, it's blue. And if it's to do with officiating, it's this. And I bet he has opinions on like the type of binder down to that detail. Oh. He's like, this binder is too flimsy. I need a binder that's at least this thick with this kind of D-ring that doesn't do like deform and can handle this load of paper. Do you think he laminates stuff? I don't know if he has time for laminating. Maybe he laminates like the really important sheets, but I bet or he does have the little plastic dividers where you can slide in the oh, title page. Oh my god! And it's he got totally, the he totally does the little cascading tabs and yeah. Do you think he's the type that uses a GPS or does he print out the map? <laughs> like when you would go on MapQuest and print mm -hmm. out the whole thing, like, mm -hmm. and it would be like four pages. Like, he seems like that type of soccer dad. To be like, I have it just in case. Like, he yeah. prints out his itinerary for flights just so that he has a paper copy in case something happens to his phone. I also do that, so... <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Your phone could die. Um, they, the QR reader could be wrong. Like, you having a backup is useful. It's adorable that you do that. I absolutely think Vodko does that. And I have actually had a situation in travel where <clears throat> my phone has died and I missed a flight because my check-in was on the phone. My QR code was on the phone. Oh. And it was after the gate, like after the front desk had closed. So they wouldn't, they weren't able to reprint oh. a boarding pass for me. So I actually ended up missing my entire flight. Not too bad. I got to spend another night in Salt Lake City with my friends. But still, like, you probably are the smart one. But mm -hmm. I still associate it with, like, a soccer dad. It's, it's usually just for longer trips. If, like, when I was hopping down to North Carolina to cover the final, that's like a two-hour flight. It's domestic. Um, I was flying out at not a heavy traffic time, so that one I was fine with. But, like, when I was going to France, for example, you bet I had multiple printouts of everything. I guess my thing is I think he has printouts of everything for every trip. <laughs> like, like when... I imagine he starts a season in NWSL and he finds 24 colors. And he's like, all right. We're just going to pack every folder, every binder with all of the information needed for that color or for that game. Watch, he's really like a, a messy person and we just have absolutely no idea. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I have my notes right here. And he's digging through a giant pile of like three-year-old receipts. That's why U.S. soccer fucking wants receipts. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to that in a second. You were drinking cider soda to watch the final. I was drinking water. I mean, it's kind of, it happened how we thought it was going to happen a little bit. Like, once that first goal hit, they just, you know, never really looked like they were going to stop. I hate how predictable it was. Yeah. Like, it was one of those things where you just, you, I woke up in the, I went to sleep the night before, woke up next morning, and was just kind of like, okay, today's the day. Today's the 1 in 52 chance that Chicago is actually going to do it. Chicago would have had to play their very best game, and North Carolina would have had to been a little bit off, at least, in order for that to have happened. And Chicago did not play anywhere close to their best game. It's really disappointing. Chicago, so I was expecting Chicago to be physical. I was expecting Ertz to dominate I was not expecting Ertz to dominate Nair. Oh, oh. I like I, that was that was just goofy. Like the second time it happened, I was just like, 
I do not understand how or why. So I do think one thing that Chicago did not expect that none of us really did was on the day it was very bright and unbearably humid because it rained and then it stopped and then the moisture just stayed. It stayed in the air. And it was like it was so moist it nearly kicked off uh Casey Short's asthma, as we saw. Like combined with the smoke from the pregame pyro, she was also, having a rough whose idea was that? Uh apparently so I had a friend in the stand who was like those fireworks were not meant for a stadium. Those fireworks felt like they were meant for, like, they're in the river and you're far away and you watch them go off because the boom was, like, getting kicked in the heart repeatedly. Just bow, bow, bow. We felt it in the press box and that was, like, the glass was did a pretty good job of insulating out sound. Actually, whoever did the press box at that field, it's pretty nice, if small. Ooh. Whoever did the press box should also learn about fireworks. Oh. Whoever did and the fireworks should learn about the press box. It's one of those things. So I was watching at a at a bar, and um, that oh, they walked out, and the smoke thing happened, and players are covering their mouths and trying to breathe and laughing, and I'm just sitting here going like, "Well, this is actually absolutely perfect for marketing the NWSL." It looked good. It didn't have the greatest ratings. I think there were other things competing against it that weekend that kind of messed it up. Um, it's my hope that they'll negotiate a TV deal where they can do proper build-up to something like this so that they get a lot more buzz going into it. Yeah, I think doing both the World Series and NBA starting, like, the 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 time of year this is just the confluence of all the sports logistically i think they put on a pretty decent show that stadium even though it's good capacity and appears to be a decent location um i do see eventually the courage they grow wanting to move to a more modern stadium that has like shade and you know, convenient stands that are a little better and maybe a little more parking. But, you know, for where they're at right now, it seems fine. It's it's my first time there. I had a decent time. It just sucked that the game was the way that it was. I, I wanted something a lot more competitive. I'm not going to lie, I was probably a little more emotionally invested in Chicago because they were they really were the underdogs there. Next season... Don't tell Paul Riley that. Here's something I did find interesting. Rory Dame said at the press conference after, he didn't know that practice on match day minus one was an open practice. And when they found out, I believe the timeline is, he found out it was open, he had to make arrangements for a separate practice, I believe, at Duke, because he wasn't confident that they could have a private practice, like, even if he asked them to close down the field, there's still going to be people watching. Anyway, why does the coach of the visiting team not know the schedule? This happened with the media as well. Like, two media members ended up getting two different schedules. Not radically different, but with, like, you know, different enough that it, it would have screwed up one of them for following the wrong schedule. So the communication from the league maybe wasn't the best, and I think Dames had a point where it's like the Red Stars have never gone through all of this before. North Carolina can afford to act like they've been here before because they have. And so maybe they're more used to like the procedure of handling, you know, the the physical part of it and the mental part of it. I mean, he's not going to sit there and say that that was the only thing. He like him and all the Red Stars know they just got outplayed. They got yeah. beat up real bad. But, you know, there were factors contributing to it. Totally. Totally. I, I, it sucks to hear that sort of thing. Um, cause you, you do hope that everybody working on the final for the final is working to create an environment where the players can shine. And that's the only thing the players and the coaches have to think about. And to think that, oh, my God, there are a ton of other logistics. I mean, I I remember 
um, just as a fan going to Orlando in 2017 and just being overwhelmed by the amount of logistics as a fan that you have to figure out, let alone like, holy crap, what the team is needing to do. And then when you consider how limited the front or the league offices, how is the league not outsourcing this type of thing? I think questions about this aside, in terms of outsourcing, the league does look better. They announced that Octagon deal that'll help them kind of deal a little bit with like, who are we? What's our brand? How are we going to, you know, make some connections here? I think that's a good sign. Honestly, I feel so much more positive about this league than I did, for example, like in February of this year. So there were some bad details, but I feel like the overall scope, I feel good. Maybe that's too much. I I don't I don't want to say that. I don't feel good. <laughs> I feel like that's jinxing it. But I feel less bad. I feel hopeful and I feel like I've been hopeful the entire time. Well, it fluctuates obviously, but it's just one of those things. that's like, man, there's just so much to, to get gain traction right now. And it feels like all those little bits are actually gaining traction. And so, yeah, I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty hopeful. We'll see short turnaround. Like, they've got to announce expansion for 2020 soon, surely, whether it's Sacramento or whoever. Like, ooh, could you imagine Hawaii? I thought you were going to say Hawaii. So that's why my my God. (sighs) I hope that merchandise shows up in the U.S. soccer store. (laughs) What kind of, like, Blacko merchandise? Yeah, like his favorite pens or highlighters or. Well, he says he's an avid chess player. Like, he's. I think he classifies himself still as amateur, but, like, as pro and amateur as there probably is. He's humble. Yeah. I like that about him. I like a humble coach. My proposition that U.S. soccer is probably going to take and use for evil is uh, you can interview Vladko for as long as you want, but you have to play chess while you're doing it, and interview ends when he beats you. Shit. (laughs) I will never get to interview Vladko. Not that that's ever been a dream or something on my radar, to be mm-hmm. honest. We're about to be saying Vladko Ananovsky a lot more. He just called in his first training camp roster. Had some interesting I'm names in there. I'm impressed by that. Interesting names. I mean, he was able to do it, I think, a little bit because there were some injuries. Kelly O'Hara, Allie Krieger... Crystal Dunn, Tierna Davidson, Meg Rapino, Alex Morgan, all out for one reason or another. I think Allie Krieger's probably on the bubble anyway. She got brought back in because I think Jill panicked and was like, my fullbacks, I don't, I didn't develop the fullbacks. What am I going to do in France? Oh my God, Allie. You think she was waking up in a cold sweat? Like who, whom can I call in? Who has experience at this level of tournament? <sighs> and then, Allie yeah. Krieger. But she's not going to be part of the, the team's future. Uh, Crystal was walking around in a boot from the end of the final. I mean, I didn't think it was serious, but it's you know probably a good idea not to strain her if you don't have to. Enjoy Barbados, Crystal. Tina Dude, Davidson. she's tired. Yeah, obviously out. O'Hara and Rapino still rehabbing stuff. And Alex Morgan has a baby. Alex Morgan is going to have a baby, dude. Wow. Alex Morgan's going to have a baby, and then she's going to try to come back for the Olympics. A new baby horse. Baby horse junior. Do you think the baby will go to Japan? <laughs> Interesting. Blacko did say, like, people asked him about Alex Morgan, but his response, which I think was the only correct one, was like, her focus is healthy pregnancy, deliver healthy baby. And then at that time, we'll discuss, you know, what that looks like for her to come back. So they'll use team resources, trainers, whatever. Kate Markgraf said she gave Alex the name of the trainer that kept Markgraf fit while she was pregnant with twins. So they'll do everything they can. It'll be the healthiest pregnancy in the world, hopefully. I mean, you know she's just moving in with Rapone. Rapone? (laughs) Rampone? Piercy? Why did I say that so weird? I don't know. Rampone. You know she's going to move in with Rampone. Uh, 
They're in, they're still in Orlando, it. right? She and Servando are still in, in Orlando, I guess. Or, are they no, in he's... Orlando or are they back over in LA now? They should be over in, I guess they'd be over in LA. Her season's over. And her season was over a while. Yeah. Ago. So maybe, and it's at California's where her family is. So that would make sense. That's where he plays. Yeah. For a little team when called he, the LA Galaxy. Ugh, irrelevant. Who cares? Mm, a little little baby horse. A baby baby horse. Aww. What what do you call a baby baby horse? A baby fowl? Foal? A foal? A foal is a baby horse. So a baby foal? <laughs> like a foal's foal? Foal squared? Foal uh, junior? Foal squared. I like foal squared. Square root of a foal? I don't know. Oh, no, I think that's apparent. I think the interesting names on this list are Aubrey Bledsoe. Are they baby names? I mean, they're youngish kids. Aubrey Bledsoe's like 27, but for a goalkeeper, oh, she's young, right? Aubrey yeah, Bledsoe, Alana I mean, Cook. she is the NWSL goalkeeper of the year. I think that was a perfectly good choice, uh, unlike some other choices. <laughs> All right, keep going through your list. I'll stop interrupting you. Alana Cook, Amani Dorsey, um, let's see, and also Midge Purse is back in. And Lynn Williams is back in. I like Lynn Williams, and she obviously puts up big numbers, but on any other team besides the North Carolina Courage, I don't think she's getting those numbers. The style they play enables her to take one million shots on goal, but her shot efficiency is not great. And I don't think it's going to allow her to compete at the international level unless she sharpens up real quick. Well, I'm kind of viewing this as Blacko saying, show me what you got. Yeah, that too. I mean, why not? They're playing Sweden and Costa Rica. Uh, I would bet against Sweden, they're a little more, you know, the formation the players were used to. And then Costa Rica, he can experiment a little bit more. Totally. Totally. I, well, unless, 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 and he's a fun coach. He might just put the youngins in against Sweden. Yeah. Say, what does he have to lose? Havoc. Prove it to me. He said in the statement, like, it's time to shift away from victory to our mindset. So why not just do it against Sweden? Like, what are you going to learn against Costa Rica necessarily with your young kids? Just throw them all in against Sweden. Make the changes. This is you're, the time when you have the most leeway. world champs. It's okay. He has a long-term contract through 2023. It's pretty sweet. Can you imagine that? Seven years ago, unknown, and now women's national team coach. Talk about working your way up through the ranks. Oof. Hey, man, those no cards don't don't organize themselves. <laughs> who? Um, so, so I do have to ask: Who do you think is gonna go to Tacoma? That is interesting. There are a couple of assistant coaches in NWSL. I think there's a lot of league shakeups because it's not just Tacoma that's looking for a head coach, right? Yep. We also need one in. Uh, do we still need one in New Jersey? Yes. I we... I kind of hope they let Freya Coon stay on and like kind of you know work in the job. I don't think she was all that awful. Um, but if they, you know, search for somebody else, I think that's fine, too. And then does Houston still need one? I think... No, 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 no. Right? I think it's so telling that Houston's coach has felt like such a non-entity. I've n- I have not remembered his name all season long. Wait, he's permanent? He's not interim? No, they hired this guy at the beginning of the season, James Clarkson. Oh, Jesus, right. Yes. Yeah. Totally forgot about him. I mean, I wish the spirit would drop Richie Burke, but he got them, you know, some decent results, and it looks like he's building a good core for the future, so who cares if he was a, a you know, an abusive coach and a liar about it? Nobody cares about that. Nobody. Just the people who listen to this podcast. The thing that shits me about that is the, like, looking right at reporters and being like, I never did that, you know? Like, these poor kids who came forward and some of them were young and put their names on their record talking about really awful stuff that happened to them. They're willing to go through all that in the public eye. And this guy is like, I never did that. Like, it would have been one thing if he had just been like, look, sports are full of toxic masculinity. That's like how I was brought up in the sport. I didn't know of a better way to relate to young male players. That doesn't make it right. It's like I've learned since then. I want to sincerely apologize to these young men. 
it would have been different like if all that had happened a sincere apology can count for a lot but he was just like i never did that cool 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 anyway there's a term for that right i don't know shithousery Mm, gaslighting Mm, interesting just saying yeah tacoma yeah some assistant coaches from some teams might be looking to move on i think a lot of teams are kind of sensing the wind shifting and then whatever the new team is in 2020 if there is one they're gonna need a coach so that's three potential positions open who do you think's going to louisville that's a 2021 problem that's a future problem be the slugger Louisville's probably looking for a general manager first. That's the first step on their hire list. Someone who knows the women's soccer world. They said as much in their press conference. The club president was like, I fully admit I don't know as much about women's soccer as I should, so we need to hire someone who does. I'm like, hey, that's a first step. Good for you. Are you putting your app in? Ugh. That would be a horrible general manager. Could you imagine GMing a club, though? Oh, what a stressful fucking job. I don't envy. I mean, yes, for people who want that, great, but so stressful. What's what's not attractive about it to you? So stressful. I can barely handle the job I have now. God. All jobs are stressful. What's so stressful about I it? I just want to wake up, like, pet my cat, drink coffee, actually start work around 11 a.m., eat some tacos, do, like, about an hour and a half of work, then play video games and go to bed. That would be great. But you can't pay the bills that way, can you? Unless you're super rich. So, no, but I'm, I'm really wondering, like, what aspect, like, is it really just being in an office job that is the stressful part? Or, like, what about being a GM stre- it sounds stressful to you? Because I think it sounds like a lovely... Every fucking part of it. Like, ensuring the success of the club and doing all the scouting with the players and... Ugh... Oh. So stressful. I would be so stressful if, like, the success of a club were dependent in part on me. And then, you know, to a certain extent, if the club is successful or not, that's people's jobs on the line. I mean, that's jobs. That's so fucking stressful. It's like, you know, if, if, remember, remember, remember back when you weren't running a website? Yeah, that was a nice time. Are you stressed now? Yes. Okay, 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 okay. I'm understanding your perspective. What about <laughs> running a women's soccer website would not be stressful? It is not an easy job. I'm not saying it's an easy job at all. I'm saying, like, everything you described about being a GM sounds like a job. All jobs are stressful in modern capitalism because we all have to sell our labor for money to survive. <laughs> You are correct. Yes, you are right. Anyway. The conversation did not go anywhere near where I was hoping it was going to go. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you this. Do you think Flacco drops Carly Lloyd or Ashlyn Harris before the Olympics? I think he understands the chemistry they bring to the club or to the squad, to the club, I guess. No, it's not a club. To the locker room. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about Blacko that I very much like and I'm looking forward to him leaving a mark on the women's national team is how much the players, you can see it, they enjoy playing for him. Right. And I don't think you get that by bringing an axe to the roster. I think you get that by having one-on-one conversations with every single player and truly understanding what value what um what are their values what are their aspirations what do they want to bring to the team and then try to figure out how do you put them in a position to do that i think if if he's good he's having those conversations and maybe it does turn out that hey you know what you want to bring to the team you're not actually capable of so let's find a different way for you to contribute. Do you think Carly Lloyd would ever accept that? Like, if he came to her with numbers and was like, numerically, you are not keeping up with other people in the position that I expect you to play, do you think she would accept that or be like, you need to give me the chance to get those numbers up? I think she would say the second. 
I think she would say, okay, give me three months and I will prove it to you. Right, right, right. But at some point, he's going to be like, there's no more months to give you. I have to name totally. the roster. Totally. And and maybe, you know, I think the stuff that we don't know is, has Carly not been bringing it to practice? Right. I mean, right? She, she had a decent season for Sky Blue FC. I got talked into putting her onto a best 11 <laughs> list. She scored eight goals for Sky Blue FC for, like, the eighth place team. So, like, I, I just don't see... Carly Lloyd's numbers being that low. Mm. I do worry about other players that maybe don't contribute as much or don't have the numbers, like Allie Vaughn. All right. Out of the goalkeepers, Bledsoe, French, Harris, Nair, you can only take two. I think he's guaranteed to take Nair. He can't fiddle with number one like that. But I think of Harris and French, he might see that French can offer the same things that Ashlyn Harris does, and she's better in the air, and she's younger. And at some point, she's going to need top tournament experience anyway. So this might be the one where if you cut Ashlyn Harris, you're not losing too much from the goalkeeper pool technically, and you're not losing too much from the locker room in terms of what you were talking about, like the, mm-hmm. the good vibes. You can also take two alternates to the World Cup, or right. to the Olympics. right. I, I think I, the I think the other big issue in the goalkeeper position though is health. When we talk about French and Harris, they alternate with major in- injuries. Yeah, you're right. So keep them keep them both in the pool for right now. I mean, how long does it take a goalkeeper to freaking make it through the system? You know. Yeah, and we're not even to qualifiers yet, so this mm-hmm. might all all be Vaco going. Oh, slow down, slow down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we know where qualifiers are going to be? I feel like I did know at some point. I feel like you, I think, I feel in my gut that it's supposed to be the U.S. Yes. But somewhere. I also feel like we would know. The info on that has just been not set for a long time. So I, we know it's, you know, this winter. Come on, CONCACAF. It's already freaking November. Do you think Casey Short can make it back in with the defenders? I think so, as long as, you know, she gets her inhaler and mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of smoke and the humidity is... No, seriously. I, I do I do think Casey Short is one of the top defenders. She's another one that just, I think, needs that higher-paced, higher-risk uh, experience. I think Blacko has demonstrated already, like, he clearly follows the league more closely than Jill, which uh-huh. part of it was just by virtue of he was able to. That was his job. But uh-huh. um, I think he probably takes a deeper look at Casey Short. I think he takes a deeper look at Andy Sullivan, who had a good season. I think Ally Long is definitely on the border. I honestly think maybe Pew might be on there, on, on that cut list as well. Pew, man. She... She's one of those players that you keep hoping is going to, like, have a breakthrough. Have, like, all right, yeah, that's her signature. And I don't know if it's just a a byproduct of being young and trying to find your way through this whole thing. But it just kind of feels like she's a little bit, like, blended in. She stalled a little bit. She didn't have her Rose Lavelle kind of trajectory where... You know, Rose, like, took off. Obviously, she had injuries, but you're just like, oh, yeah, this kid is, uh, this kid is ready. Are you talking about Rose Lavelle at the 2019 Women's World Cup? Even before that, like, she leaves and stuff. But, yeah, at the World Cup, she stepped up. She didn't, uh, fade away. Yeah, she totally stepped up. I just also recall that Rose Lavelle hasn't really done a ton in the NWSL. That's true. Because of those injuries and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think also, you know, that's why people were a little miffed that she made NWSL Best 11, along with some other players. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was an interesting ballot there. Every single field player being somebody who's had national team time. You want to know my theory? Sure. There was so much turnover at the league this season in the communications department. I would readily believe... That during one of those turnovers, somebody forgot a password or votes got lost and some and they had to put out a best 11. So somebody like 
they remembered a couple people and then they just filled in the rest as best they could. They just picked people and put them in and then put that out. I would believe that that is a scenario that could have happened. I don't think it's going to repeat. I think they settled down finally in that league office after this year being really weird. I guess we'll find out next year. There's a lot of stuff I would love to see refreshed. And our perspective of women's national team players playing in the NWSL. I mean, I am I am super, super, super interested to see what was I <sighs> What comes of U.S. soccer kind of pulling out of NWSL? And there there have been a, a couple of good articles uh, that have come out. I think one, Kim put one out today, I right. think it was this morning, about um, how their how NWSL ownership group is already thinking about, like, a TAM-like uh, allocation fund. Yes, there was some to- kind of meeting. There was, like, a... NWSL board meeting in Cary on Monday mm-hmm. where they talked about a lot of stuff and one of the important things was money and you're right Kim McCauley wrote an article about how they are going to try to increase the salary cap the minimum salary that's things they've steadily been doing but also changing on like permitted permitted assistance caps maybe so that's housing cars etc multiple year contracts and then something to um help them keep big stars in the league so like a sam which, kerr rule which is unnecessary yeah it's, it's it's super necessary for the nwsl not just be this i feel like we've spent seven years of this league being the spot to be if you're friends with like the women's national team players. So let's explain TAM real quick for people who don't really follow like MLS. So targeted allocation money is where the league would create this pool of money and Uh then distribute it evenly amongst the teams. And this money is allotted for targeted players and they can trade this money amongst themselves. So for example, every team initially gets $200,000. And then the teams, let's say the Portland Thorns are like, nah, we're fine. We can offer really great amenities. Portland's a great place. We don't need as much money to attract a big star. So they trade some of that to Sky Blue FC, who now has 300000 instead of 200000 to get, like, Ada Hegerberg. Wouldn't that be wild? I think it would be absolutely bonkers. Um, because the thing I like about TAM, or targeted allocation money, or whatever NWSL ends up calling it, um, is that it's monopoly money. And it, if, if it comes to fruition, I really, really hope, you know, I, I think there's a lot of dominoes at play here with regards to timing and all that, but I really, really hope it comes into play before the um, draft because that just adds a whole nother level to what the potential is there. <sighs> The chaos, the madness. Another thing to keep track of. Okay, do you want to close with another money discussion? The one I love talking about money. I'm actually love. taking a, a leading with finance class through the Ooh. Harvard Business School right now. Uh, leading with finance like in a business context? Yeah. Mm. I need to take a class on like maximizing your retirement. I, I'm like a beginner where I, I know about, I have a Roth IRA and I'm like putting the max in each year and, you know, reading about like index funds and stuff. But, you know, I, I have a friend though who's like, it doesn't need to be complicated. There's a lot of terms, yes, but like just read up, find the definition, sit and think about it. It doesn't need to be complicated. Nope, it does not. It um To me, it's a lot of just how accessible do you want your funding to be over the next six months, five years, 10 years, that sort of thing. And as soon as you figure that out, then I don't know, it kind of falls into place, I guess. Yeah. The Roth I picked because apparently it's better specifically for someone in my situation, like a freelancer Mm -hmm. who's going to have like a variable income for a while. How do we get on this? We were supposed to talk about the U S women's national team lawsuit. And the last, well, yeah, the but step. you said, let's talk about another finance thing. And I switched the conversation to me and the <laughs> class that I'm taking. All right. We'll, we'll hold the Roth IRA advice until the end, I guess. But 
<laughs> Boy, this latest step in the legal dispute between U.S. They soccer literally and just keep shooting themselves in the foot. So U.S. Soccer has asked in the latest uh, round of discovery, they want the 28 players who are suing the Federation to give up receipts, tax returns, and other evidence dating back to 2014. Um, And the lawyers for the national team are saying that includes documents relating to any compensation received by the players for soccer-related activities, such as like playing for another team, promotional appearances, sponsorships, fees for training camps, speaking engagements, interviews, book deals. Um, and U.S. Soccer's justification for asking for this, I'm basing this off the article that The Athletic put out about it, is that the rights that the players are using to generate this money used to be held by U.S. Soccer. And then... Like, as part of the current CBA, the Players Union got back some of those rights. And so, I guess U.S. Soccer is arguing, like, we gave you those rights and you earned compensation off of that, so you have to add that back into the total compensation from U.S. Soccer or something like that. Doesn't sound great to me. I don't know. I just really, really, really don't like that players have zero i obviously they do now but it makes my skin crawl to think that you as a human being don't have any right to your likeness or your name like what 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 does that even mean that means that you can't as a member like that makes me wonder how do how does adidas or under armor or any non-official, unofficial, I guess, uh, U.S. soccer sponsor actually sign players as official spokespeople. All right. So the person I go to when I want to know more about the legal issues, there's this guy, Stephen Bank. He's like at UCLA. He does a lot of sports law. And his view on it is that um, this is like a quote-unquote tit-for-tat discovery dispute. And he thinks that it could be more about PR advantage. He, my guess is U.S. soccer knows the rough numbers for outside pay and licensing rights already, so they may think forcing them to produce it will make the players look bad. As in the players, like, produce all this in Discovery. It gets out that they make millions off of their rights, so they just look greedy asking U.S. soccer for more. But those are their rights, and that's what the market is valuing them at, so why should they be punished at their job for U.S. soccer for leveraging the rights apparently better than U.S. soccer ever did. And and it's only going to prove that, like, half of them are even doing that. It misses the point entirely if you're just focused on how much money did Alex Morgan make over the last five years. That is absolutely not the point of this. Anyway, if you want the full detail, you can follow the guy at ProfBank, P-R-O-F-B-A-N-K, Um, he's actually a really good follow if you're interested in any of the legal side of sports. As for myself, when Carlos Cordero was in the press conference for Vladko Andonovsky's, you know, debut as coach, um, his debutante ball, and he was talking about the pay dispute and how he's like really ready for, um, this pay dispute, like to be resolved and how sad he was that mediation didn't work. And his, like, him pointing out, like, the Federation's responsible for a lot of different teams. We have to pay for all of them. We don't have unlimited money. Well, I'm I'm sure the women's national team is taking that into account. They're not trying to bankrupt the Paralympic soccer team. How much cash is U.S. soccer sitting on? A lot of people like to throw around that $150 million figure, but my only concession is this. It's like, Obviously, they can't just spend all $150 million of that. They need to invest a huge chunk of that in order to generate dividends that they can continue to use to reinvest. Like, they use money to make more money. It's how rich people get richer. So I understand that that is not all, like, discretionary funds that they can just spend willy-nilly. I don't know, but it still feels churlish of them to be like, we just can't loosen up a couple more million for you gals. Especially when the U.S. men's national team is performing the way they are, right? right I think right. I think the the when when I'm talking about how much money are they sitting on, that revenue has been growing annually for more than the last five years. 
So when they're talking about how much does it take to grow and develop and produce the next generation of soccer players, like they know how much that costs. They know how much they've been putting into it. They know, they see how much the accounts are growing. I think it's a horrible art. Like I just am blown away that U.S. soccer keeps digging this hole for themselves. I, I will disagree on one thing, just minorly. I don't think you know, the men have been doing so badly lately is should be relevant because I don't like the performance argument. Like the women do so much better because what happens inevitably when the United States women start to kind of slip a little bit and the rest of the world's catching up and we're not, you know, winning World Cup trophies or Olympics every single time. Well, then people are going to use that as an argument to be like, you guys got to take a pay cut. Didn't perform. See, I, I guess I'm not looking necessarily that far down because when I bring the men's national team performance into play, it's not to try to advocate for them to take a pay cut. I I don't think anybody should get a pay cut, but I do think that what U.S. soccer is reacting to is the market saying this isn't the top-tier product. They're not selling out stadiums like they used to. They're not attracting the type of competition that they used to. There's a lot going on on the business side for the men's national team. And I think at the end of the day, a big part of this um, issue is going to be look at look at the numbers, look at the look at the balance sheet, not the scorecard. Look at the balance sheet. How much are you investing into women's? soccer and what are the returns and how much are you investing in the men's soccer and what are the returns yeah the (laughs) roi for men is definitely not the same as it is for the women yeah and and that's and that's a short-term thing right like that's a thing that if you're if you're running a business and your roi is is going down you you need to figure out what lever are you going to pull are we going to do more in research and development are, is our competition developing better? Uh, are we? Do we need to do better marketing? Do we need to grow our sales department? Do we need like where do we need to grow and develop? And when you're doing poorly, that doesn't mean okay. Let's cut cut off what's happening. Let's cut off funding. U.S. Soccer's got to figure out how to fix it. Absolutely, but I think a big part of this is the poor. If you look at it like a business, and if you look at it on the balance sheet, how do the numbers run? run uh, how, how do the numbers tell the story? Hopefully that, those are the questions that a judge is going to be asking as they wade through all the discovery. And we're probably going to hear more. And U.S. Soccer is probably going to keep trying to gank back some of that PR goodwill that the women all want. I don't know if they're going to do it. U.S. soccer has not shown themselves particularly adept at beating the women at PR. Hopefully they, the women will be adept at beating the Federation in court. Could you imagine if U.S. soccer like took the gloves off? In what way? I don't know. What kind of dirt do you think U.S. soccer has? It's like, I know that you had an affair in 2014 with blah, 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 like blackmail? I don't know. Like, we're talking about, like, millions of dollars here. That's true. People have done worse things for less. I haven't even thought about this before. Uh, This is an original thought for me right now. Now we're getting into, like, HBO drama territory. I would love an HBO drama about this. Oh, my God. People's lives are about to get ruined. Well, all right, fine. I don't want, like, reality TV. I want, like, an HBO drama about, like, I want... You know how HBO Sports does like the the boot camp uh-huh. the the boot camp for preseason camp for like NFL teams? Yeah. I want that. I want behind the crest but like not US soccer's version. I want the behind the crest from 2011, damn it. I thought you were going to say you wanted something like Ballers that show with the rock that Elizabeth Warren loves so much. I love Ballers. Like a fictional look at these behind the scenes people kind of wheeling and dealing in soccer that would be interesting actually i've wanted some kind of soccer drama women's soccer (laughs) drama or comedy what if we do succession but 
all about like instead of the old man running the media, it is actually Abby Wambach and she's trying to find the next her her heir. Aren't all the people on succession fucking assholes? Like they're all really unsympathetic. Yeah, that's part of the reason why it's a good show because you really don't care what happens to them. No, I'm the opposite. I want to care about the people I watch. And if they're all awful, I'm like, I hope you all get like run over by a train. And that yeah, your you body just gets cut in half. And then, it's, but it doesn't happen. It never happens. I mean, there stuff happens. It's just nobody ever. I don't know. I haven't watched the last episode. But oh. I don't think anybody gets run over by a train. I'll give you an example. So on Battlestar Galactica, Gaius Baltar was kind of like this snivelly, you know, precursor to these shows where people are like, they're not even anti-heroes. They're just morally bankrupt. Um, and he did a little suffering on the show, but like he made it to the end and went through all this stuff where he was like president. He was a messianic figure. He had a harem. And I'm like, he just needs to die. And he's never going to die. I want bad people to die on TV shows when I watch them. You know? I Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I'm I, simple. I'm very simple. I don't care about any of this gray shit. I'm like, I want the good guys to prevail. Like, yeah, there should be hardships and stuff. But the good guys prevail. You know, they, they smooch. Um, their love interests, and then the bad guys die or go to jail, get humiliated in front of the people they respect the most. And that is succession right there. <laughs> that last part happens all the time. Wow, that sounds dark. Mm-hmm. On that note... It is dark. On that note, I guess we'll wrap up. How much whiskey did you drink? We took a nice little break in the middle there. Oh, none. I had like an ounce of bourbon. That's it? Yeah. I've had three ciders. I'm a baby, and I like water. I'm older than you, and I like booze. Now's actually a good time to wrap up, because the two cats just forced their way into my office, and <laughs> they're both staring at me very intently. So something is about to happen. Oh boy, chicka chicka bow wow. What? I don't know, you said something is about to happen. Something bad. When two cats force their way into the room where you are and then just stare at you intently, something bad is about to happen. I don't know. I don't have cats. I don't I don't know what, what they're about. I just assume they want you to leave because they want alone time. All right. I'm going to... They're going to do something bad. We got to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay.